Angel Heart Radio programs should not be used to replace your legal or medical advice. Welcome everyone to Angel Heart Radio. You are our focus. We want you to know that you matter in the world and that you're important to the world. We're here to remind you of just how valuable and needed you are right now. Help us to help others. If you like what you hear, tell your friends, post, tweet, pin, let everyone know how amazing Angel Heart Radio is. So again, welcome to Angel Heart Radio. Powered by love, Angel Heart Radio is sponsored by angellight777.com. Hello everyone, I'm Annette McCoy coming to you from Melbourne, which is down the bottom of Australia. And my <laughs> guest, <laughs> Janet Hickok, says it's a bit that separated from Tasmania or Tasmania <laughs> separated from us. <laughs> Janet, your laughter is delicious. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. Oh, thank you very much. And it's always fun to, I, I love looking at maps, right? That is like, yeah. you say, you say Melbourne and I'm like, okay, I'm looking at this map going, where is she? And, uh, you know, uh, where's Sydney? Because that's the only other town I know there. And, and so, which took me then, you said, you mentioned you might be going to, you were going to Tasmania. So of course I had to look at that. It's just, it cracks me up. <laughs> Oh, one of those ways I get to know the world. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, and see, our country like yours is so vast. Uh, right. Melbourne's on one side and Perth, beautiful Perth, is way over, you know, 2,000 kilometres the other side of um, wow. the continent. So, and then we mm. can travel just as far um, to the north. So, yeah, very expansive yeah, yes. Janet, welcome and how wonderful. Here I am, yes, in um, southern Australia and in you're in northern United States in the in the west. I'm in the east of Australia and you're in the west <laughs> of the USA. Indeed, I am at the, in the beautiful Pacific Northwest where today we're about in the mid low to mid 70s on the island that I'm in. I bet it's a little bit warmer inland. Nice breeze blowing. It's like a perfect sunny summer day. I can't complain. Oh, Oh, isn't that lovely? And it's interesting when we talk about um, the, the climate and how we can be affected. You know, we say, oh, it's a gorgeous day when the sun is shining. (laughs) <laughs> and then we can be uh, less enthusiastic when it's raining. And yet we need rain periodically. And if we don't get regular rain, it's interesting because the atmosphere is such. It needs a good clean out apart from the flowers and the, the, the grass, etc., etc. We need it just as much. Yeah, absolutely. You're never going to hear me complain too much about the rain because I really love it when it rains. Um, I think what gets us more isn't so much the rain. It is the number, the string of gray days that we might have without rain or anything. It's just like fog bank and clouds and just hanging around. That kind of can wear on you. Um, 
and you just have to get through it. I, I think that's what people react to the most when they move to Seattle area or when they come up here to visit uh, is this beautiful summertime can really lull you into a false sense of beauty <laughs> in the weather. Right. And, then, and then October happens or November or December, January, February, yeah. March, and April, and it, it's gray, but it's still a beautiful place to live. I think right. we learn to appreciate the sun in a way maybe other people don't because when it's uh, when it's here everybody literally en masse is outdoors everywhere because right. we got to go soak up those rays. Yes. <laughs> and I'm, we're so fortunate when we can appreciate the weather for what it is because let's face it it's it is what it is. And so rather than grumbling about something, to be able to see the the, um, the high side of it. I'm grateful when we have wind because the, my washing dries quicker. Aha. Uh-huh. Yes, I love the wind anyway. So. Yes. That will drive <laughs> me outside when it. the sun won't drive me outside. Yeah, just taking your hair down and letting it, shaking it out and letting it blow in the wind. This is so not astrological, but it is yes, wonderful to, this. <laughs> to, look, to luxuriate in the elements, right? Of And, you know, the elements play a part in astrology as they do in a lot of different uh, um, uh, traditions, like, you know, shamanism and Native American uh, uh, paganism and you know that idea of air earth fire water um it it it's some it it speaks to us i think in a visceral way in in a way that you know goes beyond time and so those elements that we want to be with you know the the idea of warmth through fire the idea of air and uh the idea of water you know that the cool uh, blissful feeling of it when it's a hot day or, you know, a warm bath uh, mm-hmm. and earth, you know, the feeling of the grass beneath your feet and the trees. And so, I mean, it, it really does speak to us on a, on a very deep level. And thus we see that idea of those elements spread throughout uh, all of the different disciplines and belief systems that are out there, including, like I said, astrology, where those different elements yeah. create uh, a, a behavior pattern or a way of being or how you engage in the world. So like I'm a Gemini air sign. No wonder I like the wind, right? That, that idea of air right. is very appealing. And here you are a, a Scorpio, I do believe. And uh, yes. which is a water sign. And that idea of water being, you live virtually on the water and around water. Yeah. And uh, so it, 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 that's what soothes your soul or brings you into, you know, connection with your spirit. Ah, um, see, now I understand why I do seek water therapy. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. That Scorpio part of you resonates to water. The Gemini part of me really resonates to that air. I feel rejuvenated and energized when I get out in the air and uh, in the wind, especially when it's, you know, windy outside. Um, Very windy. Yeah, a lot of our, yeah, a lot of our uh, earth signs, now they, they love working with the earth. You know, their hands are in the soil. They're clipping and trimming plants and trees, or they're, they're working with herbs and, and spices and things. You know, it's very, they're very earth-centered. 
and there are fire signs. They're not necessarily playing with fire, <laughs> or let's hope not, but, they're, <laughs> but they demonstrate the, the characteristics of fire, passion, creativity, and the, the destructive and rebirth processes. And so, you know, they're right there for us to play with. Sure. Yeah. Now, Janet, we have a fascinating topic today and Mm -hmm. there's a person on the switchboard they haven't raised their hand i'm going to tell our listeners that the call in number today happens to be 714-583-6858 and if you would like to speak with us maybe you've got a question for janet Maybe you'd like a mini reading. So if you have a question, uh, Janet will address it. Please press the number one so that we know that you want to speak rather than just listen. Because I am aware that some people ring in to listen to the show. They do indeed. Our topic today is changing the world from the inside. How Mm. fascinating. Right. Now, changing the world from the inside begins with an outside sort of story. And so if I might share that information a few weeks ago, um, actually, you know how time flies. This was probably more like a month ago. (laughs) Uh, You and I were on the line and we were talking about the upcoming age of Aquarius. And was it really going to be all that we hoped it would be? I mean, based on, you know, that very popular song about brotherhood and love and understanding and all of that, is that really what we're headed for? And indeed, we discovered in that chat that, of course, those are the high side qualities of the Aquarian age, but that there were some very low side qualities as well, i.e. man's inhumanity to man. Um, techno- over-dependence on technology, uh, the possibility of technology. I was just looking at my phone before we started cha- uh, chatting today, and there was this thing about, um, uh, what was it about, something about chips, like uh, uh, tracking chips that, you know, being in, inserted into humanity, and was this a good thing or a bad thing? And uh, I was like, wow, is that really a technology that I want to have put in my body where someone could literally track me down anywhere I was. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just think that those are big questions that we're facing as we are looking at, you know, our progress into uh, this Aquarian age. And one of the last things I think I, I hope I left the listeners with that day was that ultimately what we want to see in that outer world as we move further into this Aquarian age is very, very much dependent upon you as an individual. What do I want to create? How do I see the world? Uh, am I going to fall prey to the false news to, or fake news or to the negativity that I see out there to um, uh, becoming more and more inhuman? Or am I going to make some changes within me um, that that really start to mirror what I want from the world, what I desire to see in my outer world. And I thought I was pretty clear about that is something that we can all do, right? I can't change that outer world. I cannot change what it looks like. Uh, but as I began to really l- look at 
um, some of, because, you know, of course, then the world starts showing me all these things. Oh, yeah, you really think you can do that? Uh, you really think you have power to, to change anything? Um, so I started on the path to looking at what is, what is really going on in our outer world? Uh, and what's it showing me? Because I know, like many psychologists, many other uh, metaphysicians, uh, many people on the planet, we, we really understand this concept of mirrors and how uh, a mirror um, would help us see, like, why am I seeing what I'm seeing in the outer world, right? Because there's got to be something in me resonating with that in order for it to even be alive and well out there. Um, right. Microchipping, that was the word I was looking for, microchipping humanity. Ay, ay, ay. You know, <laughs> anyway, don't, don't get me going there. So I began to, <laughs> uh, I really began to look at, well, what is going on in the bigger, wider world? Obviously, astrology does have a lot of answers for us because we can see the long, longer cycles of time as uh, shown to us through the outer planets like Pluto and Neptune and Uranus and even Saturn and Jupiter and their dance show us, you know, facets of the ever evolving consciousness on this planet. And human design was something I hadn't really explored yet as far as evolution was concerned. And human design, if your listeners aren't aware, is another type of astrology. I call it astrology for a new paradigm. Because it really gives mm. us an opportunity to look at how we are connected energetically, um, how we are, if you want to say, hardwired, you know, to interact with our world and how we are individually hardwired to work with one another. And through some of the energies that I've been, you know, looking at in human design, I saw a very clear pattern of change occurring on the planet. And first off, change in the outer world. I think the outer world shows us where we are off in our inner worlds. Like our inner worlds are uh, not healing separation, for example. So in our outer world, what do we see? We see separation. We see conflict. We see um, groups of people that can't even get along together uh, in, in our, in, at least in our country, in, in the Congress or, mm. in, you know, Democrats and Republicans or in other countries, we have the, the, you know, fighting factions and religious wars between, uh, what is it, the Sunni Islam Islamic people and uh, the Sharia, I cannot remember the name of that other one, but there's this idea that yeah. even, even within a religion or a common belief, there's this idea of separation and where did that come from and why, why does it feel so incredible? It crystallized right now. Why is it so in our faces, right? Because it's really in our faces. Everything right. that goes mm -hmm. on in that outer world right now just seems to, I, I, I don't in your country if things are happening this way, but in our country, to me, that outer world just feels so ugly right now, right? We can't say nice things to one another. Um, if you right. believe something different from, from me, for example, you just feel totally empowered to, you know, dress me down or give me a, a verbal thrashing. And that was never the case before, right? You know, we would honor one another's differences. So why suddenly is this happening to us? Why suddenly are we seeing that energy out in the outer world? Uh, did you have a question there? No, I don't. No, but okay. I... It, that's a very interesting question, isn't it? Why is it mm -hmm. so? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Julia, mm -hmm. Why Professor is it so? Julius, yeah, <laughs> Professor Julius Sumner Miller used to ask that question. 
Why is it so? (laughs) Why is it so? Well, there's something very interesting happening in our collective. And it is beginning from a genetic trigger for a process that allows our uh, collective um, rise up to uh, a higher consciousness level. And so what we're really seeing is where is it we're not in alignment with a higher consciousness level. And in human design, this is being shown to us through gate 49. So this month in our conversation, we're going to take a look at the outside factors and pressures that are creating our need to um, come to grips with our shadow. We're going to talk about the shadow, the gift, and the highest expression of some of these energies that we see floating around out there right now, or that we feel, because ultimately this is going into our emotional patterns, right? The first stages of evolution begin inside us as an acute change in emotional patterns. And that was a quote directly from the book Gene Keys uh, written by Richard Rudd, a book I would recommend to everyone because it is so fantastic. It is a contemplation. However, it is not a book that you get and you read cover to cover. It's one that you Uh read piece by piece in his book, by the way, the Gene Keys, are actually the same thing as in human design that I call the gates. So just a different term, uh, but he's taking it and relating it to our actual DNA and to the idea that humans first express things through the shadow. And then as we gain more consciousness, as we gain more light, we begin to express the gift of that gene key or of that gate. And then ultimately the highest expression of that particular gate gets expressed as we become an evolved um, humanity or as we evolve our consciousness. Does that make that, does that make sense to you? That makes sense to me. That yeah. fascinating. Can you, can you give us those details again, please, Janet, mm-hmm. as in the name of the name, the name the of the title yeah. of the book. Yeah, the title of the book is Gene Keys, G-E-N-E, Gene Keys, like the genes in your DNA. And the subtitle, Unlocking the Higher Purpose Hidden in Your DNA. And it's written by Richard Rudd, R-U-D-D. It is a very Uh thick book. So it might be intimidating for people as you pick it up. It's like picking up the Bible or any other sacred text and looking at it and going, oh, my God, how am I ever going to read this whole thing? And then recognizing that the language, this is the most interesting thing about this book. And I'm not sure how this man did it, but he did this. This is written multidimensionally. <laughs> now, what do I mean by that? I mean, you may read it initially at the third dimensional level and it calls to you or speaks to you at that level. The next time you go and you read something, the same thing perhaps even, you might experience it at a fifth dimensional level where, you know, suddenly you're seeing it in a, in a different light or there's more available to you in, in the reading of that particular information that you didn't see before, that you didn't read before or didn't um, meet up with your energy at the time. So I go back and I reread things many times, you know, over the course of days and weeks, because I might, I I might be able to catch a glimpse of what it means to be at the highest vibration of that energy and uh, the lowest vibration of that energy and the point in between. So it's really, it's really beautifully written. um, But it, like I said, is a contemplation. You don't read it cover to cover. 
So, mm-hmm. and he also has a really wonderful website. You can, you know, go on, uh, look, do a search on Google for Gene Keys or um, Richard Rudd, and it will, you know, give you a bunch of information that you can research uh, from what he is uh, do from the work he's doing. And his particular idea about the 49th Gene Key is that there is a glimmer for us, a shadow, a, a glimmer of this shadow that we as human beings are picking up right now. And the shadow of the 49th gene key is reaction. And when you look at the outer world, it's really all about reaction right now, right? Mr. Trump says something and the masses react or uh, somebody says something on live on air and Mr. Trump reacts or somebody, you know, gets hurt about, uh, you know, something that they can't, some need they can't get fulfilled, so then they react. And it might be these ugly reactions of walking into a mall and shooting it up or, you know, some of the more ugly expressions of these uh, transformational energies. I'm not saying, and I'm not going with right or wrong here either. I, I'm not, you know, certainly I don't mm you know, abide by shootings and things like that. But when I look at that energy, I see it as an expression, as a frustration even, uh, uh, the outpicturing of what's going on within us as individuals and as uh, the collective humanity. Does that sound right to you? (laughs) Whatever you say, Janet. Yes. (laughs) I can understand what you're saying. You just made me spit out my water. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. So, you know, the the idea here is that what stops us literally, what stops us in our tracks from this evolution that's ongoing in the outer world? What stops us from joining in with it, in other words? And in a way, the real problem stems from reaction. Because what happens is our raw emotions rule our lives and our decisions. And if you don't think that's true, just wait and see what happens if somebody calls you a name on the street or you get in uh, uh, a traffic jam and somebody cuts in front of you. <laughs> Your raw emotions are right there, right, in that middle finger that you might have out or your honking of the horn or your stubbornness and not letting that person in or, you know, th- those are reactionary um, behaviors. And, mm. you know, there's a purpose to that. In gate 49, what we see is that that reactionary energy enabled us as primal human beings to kill both animals that we would need to, for food and uh, that might hurt us, predators, etc., and also enabled us to kill other people, marauding invaders from the north, right? They come into our uh, and I'm making that up, who knows where they marauded from, but marauding, you know, tribes coming into our very peaceful community and our response is essentially a war response, a protective mechanism. And the fact that we would have this gene in our DNA enabled us to be able to kill because it's not in our nature um, to actually engage in that until this gene was available to us. And it also enabled us to view outsiders as inhuman in order to kill them. How else could you face down a person to person? You know how they say many times war has become very impersonal. 
because in years mm. past, in wars past, it was a face-to-face engagement. Right now, we can press a button and send a warhead across to a major city and blow it to smithereens, or as in World War II, fly over a city and drop a bomb and, and devastate it without ever seeing face-to-face any of the human being beings that are the casualties of those actions. So, so we have this reaction to other and it's an ancient tribal reflex that still dominates our world consciousness, right? That's, an, that's a very strong pattern that we still see dominating the world. So uh-huh. it enabled us to view good versus evil. And I really believe that this gate 49 was the root of separation, a part of our consciousness as we evolved that we are now going to have to evolve out of, right? There, I, I taught a class one time a few months back called, uh, what was it called? The cos, uh, cosmology of the world tree or the cosmology of consciousness, something like that, where I go back and I review the, um, the works of um, uh, Carl Kalaman and talking about the world tree, which, you know, in many uh, old spiritual religions and belief systems, the tree was um, erected, and when it was erected, mm-hmm. it created, even in our Bible, right, the tree we ate of the knowledge of good and evil, and uh, we became aware of our differences, of our separation. We became aware that we were different. And so mm-hmm. this us versus them or the idea of other became uh, enacted or uh, enabled, you know, like we put the program in the computer and we enabled this idea of separation. So in our, in our human evolution now, as long as we keep seeing others through this lens of good and evil uh, or uh, us versus them or rich versus poor or whatever, in our country, it's the 1% versus the 99%. Um, you're going to remain, we are doomed to remain prisoners of this gate or this gene key 49. So uh, here's a definition of reaction, because I started the conversation with this idea of reaction energy. And the definition of reaction, according to um, uh, what what dictionary did I go to? Mm, Who knows? Dictionary.com is I'm sure where I went. It is a knee-jerk response to outer stimulus. A knee-jerk response to outer stimulus. So when that bee stings you, what do you do? You slap at your arm, or you you know you you um, slap at the at the insect. That's a reaction. But that reaction is happening all the time. If you were to sit there and, and insult me in some way, I most likely, out of being unconscious or being reactionary, I'm going to say something back to you equally as hurtful or equally as ugly or in some way come to my own defense or those kinds of energies are caused by the energy of reaction. So a part Mm -hmm. of, a part of what we have to work on is to look at the reaction patterns that we have established. And this is where the change is happening in the outer world. Right. We we can look at our relationships. Let's you know, if you have a spouse, a son, a daughter, uh, uh, a loved one um, that you know, or a friendship that's very close and near and dear to you, uh, 
You have established patterns with this partner or with this loved one about how you interact, how you react to one another. You've heard the saying, you know, that my, you know, my son really can push my buttons, right? Or, yeah. or that, you know, that girl always can press my buttons. Pressing buttons is really just about reactions, right? And so mm. in the shadow of our humanness at this point in time, we are still in reaction mode, right? What happens when you and a loved one have a disagreement, right? You, you have You're, either with, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, are you asking me? <laughs> I thought it was a hard <laughs> What you're asking a hypothetical question. <laughs> okay, well, let's make it a little more personal and say what happens when you and a loved one have a disagreement when you have a little bit of awareness or a little bit of consciousness, right? You might be able to see there's a pattern at work here, right? That this, there's my son again pressing that button. Uh-huh. Pressing that I button. What you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With a lot of yeah. awareness with a lot of awareness, you might be able to see him pressing that button, but stop yourself from reacting while still mm-hmm. feeling the emotion of what he has triggered within you. Right? And here's so where we have mm-hmm. to get as humanity. Because we're human beings with emotions. We can't just block out emotions. It isn't going to happen. In fact, human design tells us we are evolving to become ever more emotional to be in alignment with the emotion of what feels good, what feels correct for me, what feels right to me. And as we evolve toward that, then we're going to have to be okay with our emotional expressions. But it doesn't mean we have to react, right, with that mm-hmm. emotion. We just have to understand and feel the emotion, but giving ourselves time before we react to breathe, to bring some consciousness to yeah. it. And so I think a lot about what we're seeing right now in our outer worlds is the fact that this reaction is going on. We haven't quite caught on to the fact that everything that we're doing is in reaction to, not in the better sense of this energy of gate 49, which is the energy of revolution and evolution, right? Where, where, can, where can we make a change in how we react where can we bring some space to, you know, uh, for the world right now? You know, I think probably the most reactionary person on the planet might be President Trump. But, you know, not for any, you know, bad reasons. I mean, there's a North Korean man out there that's just dying to bomb us uh, or right. dying to, you know, prove that he has this power. It is going to be in the space between that man's actions and our reaction that the tale is going to be told, right? If he starts doing something, how are we going to react? We can also call that retaliation. How are we going to retaliate? Or can we elevate, and I think this is where we have to go, can we be part of an evolution that sees our reaction turn into something that has space and time and wisdom and love and a, a greater consciousness awareness before we react. I like right. that idea. And that's right. I love that, Janet, the fact that, yes, that's where we are heading. And of course, it's up to each one of us, isn't it? Absolutely, my point. You're just so mm. wonderfully right on here because essentially, I can't change 
how all of these people in the greater wider world are going to react. I can't control Kim Jong-un. I can't control Mr. Trump. I can't control anything out there. But I can begin in my own life to engage this, this revolution of consciousness, right, to, to engage this energy of awareness around my own reactions. And, of course, I failed this miserably this week. I going to tell you, I failed it miserably. And, and this is the funny thing, because awareness is like that, right? You learn a new concept, or, um, you, you know, your awareness expands into some realm, and then you're immediately tested with it. And I recognized I failed the test, not, not in a way that makes me a failure, but in a way that makes me go, hmm, I could have handled that better. What would have happened ah. if I had breathed before I hit send on that email? Yeah. Right. What if I <laughs> what if instead of um, uh, of insulting, perhaps this friend of mine, uh, that I had shut my mouth. Right. And just just understood with some compassion even here that she was undergoing something terrible. And, you know, instead Gosh. of me trying to fix her, it wasn't that I was being a meanie, but I was trying to fix her. She wasn't broken. Uh-huh. Right. So we all have to do this. We all have to be able to engage this idea of controlling our own reactions. Or let me even rephrase that. Instead of being reactionary, bring consciousness to it. Right. What what would be the, the highest outcome if I chose to breathe before I hit send? Well, I might have realized that I'm reacting to something that pisses me off, to a fear, right? Because when we react, it's really coming from a place of fear. And according to Richard Rudd in this book, the fear is our fear of rejection, right? That someone is rejecting Mm -hmm. us, that uh, because somebody is going to take away my toy, they're rejecting me personally. But it all boils down to our fear of separation, and that's really inborn, you know, everything, think about birth, right? Being born, you're separated from your mother. The idea that we're yeah. on this planet and separated from God, right? There's, we can't see him. We can't call on, on this invisible force to show up when, you know, our life is at its worst. Uh, and we mm-hmm. want, you know, God to help us. Um, it doesn't always work that way. So it engages our fear more and more. But as evolution is turning here, we have to release that fear. We have to more and more bring in the light. After all, your DNA is a transducer of light. The longer we stay in the darkness of our DNA, the harder this is going to be for us to actually make this change. I believe we can do it. But I believe, like I said, in the naming of this, this, uh, this um, radio show today, it's about changing the world from the inside. So yes. I know you told From me that we in- have a caller. It's an inside job, literally, right? <laughs> it's an inside job. Let us welcome caller area code 917. And as we do, Janet, we haven't mentioned your website. And I think it's really important that we do that as well because listeners can gain much from visiting your website. Absolutely. 
Yes, and that's interesting because that caller just flicked off. So, not sure what's <laughs> happening there. <laughs> Maybe caller area code 917 might like to call in again. If you're listening and you would like to call in today for a quick reading, maybe you have a question because it does come down to each of us and how we respond to any experience. No, it's not the experience, it's how we deal with it that makes the difference. (laughs) And and we, we do learn. I have to keep reminding myself that I am having a human experience. <laughs> That's right, yes right. <laughs> Perfection isn't meant to be the part. You know, we are here to, to make mistakes and hopefully to learn from them. You know, they do say that there is no mistake. You know, we so we respond to a situation or whatever it might be and Mm -hmm. it's our choice do I respond this way or that way absolutely I I like your idea Janet of uh, re uh, like sorry rereading something before I send it Um, (laughs) because my fingers especially when I'm sending text can make some shocking (laughs) But, you know, social media has been our biggest lesson in all of this, our our biggest teacher in all of this, right? Because um, how many times, and and I don't know if if you're on social media much, but how many times do you read something on Facebook and it just hits you at the wrong moment? And so you give that person a dressing down. Right. You're just, you you know, you might say things like you are so stupid. I can't believe you believe this way. And why are you spreading this hate? I mean, it's amazing. Some of the things that I see written out there and how many times I myself am getting drawn into this drama uh, uh, because of a comment that I made. And if I had given myself time, you said a key word and that key word is respond. Right. As opposed to reaction. Right. Knee jerk reaction energy would say, I'm going to go out there and I'm just going to call you every name in the book. I'm going to point out how wrong your thinking is. I'm going to ask you, like, what planet are you from? Uh, Because in a knee jerk response, I don't agree with you. And I'm going to make sure you understand I don't agree with you. As opposed to responding, which to me, responding means I'm going to take a breath or maybe two, three or four, Mm -hmm. ten. (laughs) And I'm going to try to bring myself in alignment with your be- with your viewpoint. I don't necessarily have to agree with you to see things from your viewpoint. I may never be able to see it from your viewpoint, but I can allow that you have a point of view that's different than mine. And, you know, somebody, yeah. where was I the other day? Dang it. Um, oh, I, I took a meditation class over the weekend. And I was, we, we were having a group discussion and somebody, you know, said something very interesting. And it was that, you know, what if we stopped to ask people instead of responding knee jerk or, or reacting knee jerk to something that they say, what if we took the time to understand where they're coming from, what in their experience created that energy 
where we could create understanding between one another instead of furthering this division between us or this separation. Mm-hmm. Right. What if I said, you know, where, where are, you know, our country right now is just so perfect for this because, you know, there are these people that we, you know, put marginalized over there. They're called Trump supporters. <laughs> right. And then there's the rest of us that are, you know, common sense thinkers and understand, you know, that, you know, consciousness seekers. And we don't get it. Right. We don't get what it is. What the what was this whole idea about? But has anybody ever stopped to really sit down with someone who is a Trump supporter and say, where are you coming from? I want to right. know. Mm-hmm. I want to understand. Yeah. Because I bet if we understood, we wouldn't, number one, have this knee jerk need to react. But second of all, mm. we would um, maybe find some common threads, the commonality, not the separation between us. That's right. Mm. Right? So it's, I think it's so important for us to begin this conversation out loud because I'm not, I'm not thrilled with an idea of a civil war coming up or a revolution coming up in this world. I, I really believe the revolution that needs to occur is one that begins on the inner dynamic with us being responsible enough to look at our own reactions, our own ability to respond to what shows up in our outer world and making the change there. Absolutely. And, and, you know, frankly, Gene Key 49 or Gate 49 is really about the socio-political landscape, the economic landscape out there. And there isn't much I can personally do about that. But there is a dimension that I can work with in that, and it's about how I respond. Right? It's about my beliefs. Yes. So the, the, fork, the revolution going on in the outer world is going to happen with or without me. I could die today and it's still going to happen. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's, all these things are still going to take place in that outer world. Um, so while I'm here, it's incumbent on, upon me to do what I can as it relates to me. Indeed. Right. Now, Janet, on our switchboard, there is a caller. Well, I, I sense it's a listener. Area code 561, if you wish to have um, a question answered, please press number one so that we know that rather than being a listener, you would like to be a caller. Listeners, Janet, as I mm-hmm. preluded to uh, before is a wonder it has a wonderful wonderful website site and it's called living astrology.com and if you haven't visited her website may I suggest that you do because you can request a free human design chart which might uh, help you understand a little of what might be happening in your life. Very astrology is fabulous, isn't it? It's a it's another tool, Janet, to mm-hmm. assist us to be the best that we can be. And I am correct. Area code five six one. Welcome to Angel Heart Radio. Hi, hello. Hello. Hi. Who are we speaking Hi. with? This is James from Miami. James Hello. from Miami. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How oh, can what we help in- you today? What a great topic. What a great show. Oh. What a great topic. 
I definitely resonate with that. I think that's a little bit about what's been going on with me in my own personal life. I've been mm. seeing more and more of my own shadow. Uh, and not in a way that's, uh, you know, judgmental or I need to, you know, do something. I need, just by observing it and coming to terms with, you know, how it plays out in my life, you know, that has really been something or part of what's been going on with me more recently. So this is this is really timely. I really enjoy this conversation. It's very timely. So, you know, tell us a little bit about you, James. What is going what what do you see transforming in your life? How do you see this uh, this energy of reaction and how it's dogged you or held you back versus the ability to respond to what shows up? You know, it's it's so one of the habits that I've developed was this need to be overly accommodating um, in mm. situations, and it it was always at the expense of peace and being organized and being sufficient and being confident about moving forward in something. And so I see that all around me now. I see it with the various people that are in my life. I see it in my new workspace. I see it, and so because I can see it it really has caused me to take a look at all the ways that I do that and how I'm playing it out and how it's not really supportive and it's not really helpful <laughs> and how I can start being more congruent with, um, with how I move day to day and being up front and be, being able to say yes or no, you know, being more forthright, um, being straightforward, how I could start to develop that more and more in my life. So I've seen that. Um, and I just think it's really interesting. Not that I, I, not that I haven't seen it before, but it, you know, now it's coming uh, up to the surface in a way where it's more profound. Uh, mm. It's deeper. And, and I want to say I'm ready to see it more. I, I'm ready to see it in this deeper way. I think that's the huge difference. I'm ready to see it in a deeper way. I love that. And, you know, the more yes. and more that you're able to engage that and become responsible for yourself and for your reactions and how you see things and how you interact with people, um, the, the more consciousness you're breathing in, the more light you're transducing through your DNA. And that is ultimately what we're here to do. I had this, I'm going to share this off topic, kind of. I had the most extraordinary mm, revelation let's say, one morning about a week ago, before I actually did the first show on this with uh, my listeners to my radio show. And uh, I suddenly saw a split coming in our human lineage in that you all maybe remember from science that Neanderthal man and Cro-Magnon man went in two different directions, right? Neanderthal ended up in a dead end. Uh, and died off or was, you know, deselected, if you will, in an evolutionary sense, while Cro-Magnon man went on to become ultimately homo sapiens. I saw the same thing happening right now in homo mm-hmm. sapiens splitting off into what came to me in the most blazing letters, homo luminous. Mm, right. That's beautiful. And it didn't hit me as in, oh, there's a separation and this is something to be healed. It was a choice that we're at, a crossroads where we're at, where we can go on to enlighten our DNA or we can stay caught up in the mind of Homo sapiens, right? Homo sapiens is really, sapiens is really about um, the mind, you know, conscious being 
in the head, being in the mind, versus being in the light of perhaps homo luminous. That was so, I mean, I, I cannot prove that that's what's happening. I, I, I just had this sense, this revelation, that that's kind of where we're headed. And I, I want to help us evolve to the homo luminous. Not that I think there's something wrong with homo sapiens, but I think we've come as far as we can with the mind, that we now have to bring in our emotions, our emotional energy. Let me ask you this, James. What, what year were you born? Uh, 1985. All right, so I do. I have the right chart up for the right person. So here's another interesting thing that we can see in our outer world that is being enacted as a separation. You are part of a generation that we call the millennials. From 1982 to 2002, the people born in that time period have been sort of lumped into this generation called the millennials. And the people born in the generation before, skip a generation, there's that generation X that's sort of in between the baby boomers and the millennials. But that baby boomer generation, and I'm not going to say this is not like everybody in each of these generations, but certainly the baby boomer generation likes to hurl insults at the millennials. Things like they're no good. They're right. lazy. They want, right. a, they want a free ride. Uh, they they don't have any kind of perseverance or uh, tenacity. They you know they give up. And I was listening to this you know chatter one day, and I realized this is another tool of separation, right? right? Where an older generation that that definitely resonated with a different um, level of consciousness, let's say is at odds with a generation who is bridging us into what will become a very emotion-driven uh, generation of people. Right. Because in, in human design, we see, you know, the fear, which is embodied in the older generations and uh, all the way back, primal man, right, all the way back, uh, as a way for survival, is giving way to this idea, if, if I do what's right for me, or if I do what's good for me, and, or if I do what feels good, then ultimately the message that goes out through my energy signature is that you too can do what feels good right. to you and be supported in that. So you're the first generation that really comes with that concept, um, sort of uh, the precursors, if you will, uh, of what will be happening, you know, ultimately in humanity as the spleen, which is the seat of fear, gives way to, and, and survival energies, gives way to the emotional energy of I'm going to do what feels good, what feels right for me. So when a millennial is in a job and they look around and they realize, oh, my gosh, I'm so out of resonance with these people, why should I stay here for 30 years, right? I'm going to move on. I'm going to go where it feels good, where I feel correct, where I feel, you know, um, uh, good. And that is what causes the most problems for the people in the older generation is that they look at that and see that you're flaky, that you're flighty. Right. Right. So I want to encourage you to follow that emotional knowing. It's wisdom there in the emotion that says, if I'm following what feels good, I'm contributing in a positive way to the world and not in a negative way to the world. You know, that one saying, you're either part of the problem or you're part of the solution. <laughs> I want to be part of the solution. <laughs> yes. Right? I, I want to be part of creating peace and a unity consciousness, healing that separation. But we can't do that if we don't recognize that we are also playing the reactionary at times. 
<laughs> as in, you know, my hitting send before I meant to, right? Or, um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm still I'm still working at this too, but it's that willingness to work at it. It's that willingness to engage this energy, this conversation, to engage the person that you see as other in an enlightening conversation, taking the time to say, oh, I see you have this Trump sticker on the back of your car. Can I, you know, let, let's have a conversation. What, what appealed to you about that person? What did he represent that was appealing to you and why? I want to understand, not because I want to make you wrong and make myself right. I just want to understand. So true. So true. That, that's so true. And this definitely Absolutely. represents a change in my own consciousness because I, I was so anxiety-ridden over this election. I really was going to move to Canada. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I mean, I was on the website looking up how to become a Canadian citizen. I mean, oh my that God. seems. Me too. In retrospect, it seems rather silly but and reactionary. Luckily, I, I held myself in check, and I am obviously still living in the U.S., um, but it's symbolic of what's really big out there for us. Now, James, before I, I pratter on some more, did you have a question for me about your chart or some kind of guidance that you needed? Because I did you pull know, up your chart. Oh, I'm, 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 you know, I'm very fascinated with the human design aspect. You know, I don't know much about it, but I think it's, I think it's really cool. I've been following you. I've been listening. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm just really open. So if there is something that's correlating to this in my human design chart, I am open to it. <laughs> All right. All right. So I'm pulling up your human design chart because, of course, I didn't open that. Um, oh, uh, so hold on just a moment. Let me make sure I have you in here because I'm sure I must. I know I talk to you uh, reasonably often. So Jackson James, there you are. <laughs> All right. So. I'm, I'm doing a search here on a couple of different things because next time Annette and I get together, I'm really going to be talking about the individual revolution that's going on in our DNA that affects me as an individual, you as an individual. And at this point, this is a, a conversation that for you is, um, is interesting. This whole idea of emotional energy, because you have an open emotional center, uh, versus let me see if I talk to my little friend Annette she's also open emotionally where I'm defined emotionally if you saw me during my radio broadcast you would see me with my hands moving and you know my facial features probably mirroring everything I'm saying because I'm I, I am broadcasting emotion that's who I am um, you on the other hand and Annette on the other hand are absorbing emotion you are taking it in from the world at large, from the people you're living with, from the people you work with, the people in your town that you interact with on a regular basis. And then the tendency is for you to take in that emotional energy, amplify it, and then you want to rebroadcast that energy as if it were your own energy. So what this does is make you empathic, right? Yeah. You're reading the emotional temperature out there. Does that make sense? Oh, yes. yes, I'm empathic and I'm a hypersensitive person. Yes. Correct. Absolutely. And, 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 and uh, Annette, that, that's the same for you. And uh, the right. difference with Annette is she actually embodies on her open emotional center, she has this gate 49, the same gate that we're talking about that's revolutionary energy. Wow. Um, you carry that gate 49, but it's not defined. 
So you experience it based on who you're around, right? Annette has her own form of revolution that she's enacting in the world, right? She is, she is explaining things in the world. She brings knowledge. She brings my voice to people. She brings other people's voices out to the world because that's her way of experiencing that revolutionary energy. In your case, it's going to depend, James, on who you're with, right? Who, who are you with in any given day? And further, what do I think about that? Because you have a defined head in Ajna. Those two centers are about um, the way you think. And what is it you think can get in the way of what you feel because we are predisposed or conditioned to believe our thoughts, mm. right? To, to, to use our mm. minds as a way of gauging things. So for you, getting into the emotional center is a little more tricky, because of the need, the, the, the openness of it and what you're experiencing uh, from the people around you, but it can let you know what the energy is out there. So if you're out in the world talking to clients, let's say, and you have this sudden feeling of anger, of upset, that is informed. It's not that you are upset, but you've, you're intuiting, let's say, through your emotional center, that there's a current of upset or anger in the field. Of the All people the around you. Every right? day. Every single day, every <laughs> minute. Absolutely. <laughs> right. Absolutely. So rather than react to that anger, because guess what? You're amplifying that energy. You're taking it in, amplifying it, and sending it back out. Rather than being a part of the problem of anger, what you can do is go to the opposite end. What cures anger is laughter or love energy. Right. right? So. Um, this is a, a place for you to become more wise. So emotional energy for you and Annette is about being wise about how you're using emotional energy. It should be as a way to inform you as to what is happening around you or with an individual. Let's say you were a counselor or a healer. That emotional energy would tell you a lot about what your client is experiencing. Yeah. Right? It's your yeah. way in. Wow. So. Yeah. And I know here we are with only two or three minutes left, Annette, and, and, you know, I could go on forever talking about this, this idea, because... (laughs) um, To be continued. Exactly, to be continued. Um, uh, You know, uh, to be continued. So next month when we get together, I'll finish up anything that I wanted to about the 49th Gene Key, but then I'm going to open the conversation to the 55th Gene Key, which is about... Abundance of spirit and what is our birthright as far as spirit and abundance. So um, that's our, that's the only thing that we personally can control besides our reaction is what is going on in the 55th gene key. So that'll be next month, August. Fantastic. Thank you for telling, sharing with us, Janet, all that you have today and also that as, um, a uh, what's the word? Yes, letting us know about next month as well. And yeah, a preview, a preview, a preview. Thank you. That's what I was thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, everybody. A big thank you to Janet for today. Thank you, James, for calling in. Wherever you are, may you be responsive rather than reactive, and find the joy in your life and live it. Lots of love for now. I look forward to seeing you next week 
when Marnie Perna joins me. You've been listening to another fabulous program on Angel Heart Radio. Our goal is to remind you of how much you matter in the world and to let you know that we appreciate who you are in the world. You can check out who's on, when we're on, and who our guests are at angelheartradio.com. Everything is there. It's all just one click away. Angel Heart Radio programs are powerful tools to help you in your life and your life experience. They are not intended, nor should they, be used to replace your medical or legal advice. The views expressed by hosts, co-hosts, callers, guests and associates should not be construed as advice from Angel Heart Radio.